A little different firehouse than we're used to tonight. The girls are across the street, so we're just kind of doing a dude's night over here, hanging out, and uh, we got some stuff. We got some wings and some, like, good food upstairs, because, like, every event has to have good food, right? And uh, then we're going to do some competition out back and do some ultimate football and stuff and throw down, all right? So, but uh, before we do that, I want to share something with you guys that's on my heart, because, like, as I finally get to, like, just chill with you guys, and the girls are out of the room, and it's just us dudes in the room tonight. And so I wanted to take an opportunity to share something with you. So open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, you can pick up here too. But as you guys are opening your Bibles, let me tell you this quick story. So my dad is one of like the coolest dudes I've ever met. Like he's a little old guy upstairs now, but like my dad back in the day could literally do anything. And uh, he was like, like he could build anything you want him to build. He could like, he was just, he was just wild, right? So I got this new house um, when I got back from Guatemala and my dad's helping me like, redo this thing. And uh, I go to work and my dad's still there working. Like he's that type of servant, just a loving guy. And so he's like killing himself literally at my house. I'm off to work. And so I come back. And when I get home that night, I come back to my front doors wide open. My lights are all on in my house. My dad's truck isn't there. I don't see my dad anywhere. And so when I start walking into my house with all the lights on, the door's literally wide open in the front. I'm thinking, like, what in the world happened? And as I, like, walk into my kitchen area, this brand-new tile my dad had just laid, like, all day long. He spent laying tile. And uh, I look down, and it's just, like, covered in blood. Just, like, everywhere. There's, like, trails of blood just splattered all over my tile. And I'm thinking immediately, like, what in the world happened to my dad? He's not here. The door's open. Lights are on. There's blood all over the floor. I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, oh, no. Like, should I call him? I'm calling. He's not answering his phone. I'm calling my mom. Like, have you heard from dad? There's blood everywhere. Like, my house is wide open. What happened to my father? Did he cut his fingers off? Like, laying tile? Like, what happened to my dad? It was just like, I was just freaked out. And as I'm walking around, just like looking for him, yelling his name out at this point, like, Dad, like, where are you? I'm walking to my house, like freaking out. I get over to my like, kitchen table. It's like this tall, like, table. And uh, that's where I keep my, I, I kept, I had a, a stupid little fish, one of those, like, fighter fish, you know, like, in a bowl, like, in the middle of my table. And uh, anyway, as I get over to the table, I notice the bowl's empty. And so I look under the table, and sure enough, there's, there's this fighter fish just, like, exploded. And his guts are, like, hanging out and, like, sticking to the tile. And he's still trying to flop a little bit, but he can't go because his colon is, like, stuck to the tile. It was the most disgusting thing ever, but it's so cool. And that's when I realized, like, it clicked in my head, like, oh, dude, that's where the blood came from, right? So he had jumped out of his bowl like a dummy and, like, smashed and just, like, blew up on the tile because the table was so high. I don't know how, to, how he pulled it off, but he, like, blew up like a gusher. There's just, like, blood all over my floor from this dumb goldfish. Now, I don't know why my dad left my front door open. I yelled at him for that. But, like, I totally freaked out. I walked into one thing thinking, oh, no, someone killed my dad. Like, this is crazy. And it turned out to be this dumb goldfish. Not goldfish. The fighter fish, right? Just, like, exploded. And I realized something. I was like, dude, that fighter fish wasn't much of a fighter, right? Like, it was terribly named. It had, like, no survival skills at all. The stupid thing just, like, jumps right out of the bowl. Like, what are you thinking, stupid fish? You know? And then I thought, hey, there's a lot of people that are that dumb, (laughs) right? Like, we look around us, and we're like, dude, I I got some friends that are kind of like that, you know? And hey, wait a minute, hold on. A lot of times I can be like that. 
Like when we talk about survival skills, when we talk about, hey, I want to actually like live for Jesus, I find myself often just like jumping out the bowl. I find myself going like, yeah, I want to live for Jesus, but I have some really dumb like survival skills like spiritually, and I immediately jump after the thing that's the shiniest, the thing that's most like attractive, the thing that makes me most interested, and it's kind of like just jumping out the bowl into something that will destroy my life. But it, in the moment, if it, like it looks cool or it feels cool, right? But that bowl's there for a reason. That water's there for a reason. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, in our passage tonight, he tells us a really cool thing about how we can follow him. He like lays it out for you. He's like, do you want to know how to actually live for me? Do you want to know how to be a man, how to have survival skills spiritually so that you're not just like having your butt kicked by temptation every time you turn around and you're going off onto the wrong path all the time? But he's like, here's what I've saved you to do. Here's your mission. Here's the thing I want you to be on as a man of God. And maybe tonight you're like, I'm not interested in being a man of God. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Just hear what Jesus has to say. But some of you guys tonight are like, man, I I want to be a man of God. I want to show up and I want to tell people who Jesus is. I want my life to be on fire. I talked to a dude last night, awesome dude, came up to me. He's like, listen, I I just, I want to follow Jesus, and I want my heart to be on fire, but I just can't make it happen. He's like, it's just cold in there. It's just like, I have a hard heart, and I just can't get excited about Jesus. What do I do? And I popped this passage open. I was like, here's what he wants you to do. Here's what he's calling you to do. You can't force yourself, but you can take baby steps. You can say, Jesus, I don't know what to do tomorrow, but right now, I know I'm saying yes to you, and I don't know how that's going to look, but I know that right now, I can say yes. And then you'll take me to the next step and the next step until you light my heart on fire. But that's not my job. That's his job. You want to follow Jesus? You want to be a man of God? Take that one step. Just do the one thing he's called you to do. So tonight, Paul is actually talking to his disciple, a young dude who he's like, here's some advice I have for you. And this guy was trying to be a pastor. Like he was a preacher. And so Paul's giving him some like preaching tips. He's like, this is what Jesus has called you to. So do this thing. And so that's what I want to share with you guys tonight. This is what Jesus has called you guys. You're like, but we're not pastors. We're not preachers. But he's going to tell us in a minute when we get down in the end of this passage, it's not just for preachers. This call of Jesus is on all of us. Every single one of us sitting in this room, if you say you follow him. So I want you to to listen to this real quick. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8. Hopefully you're there by now. We'll just read kind of chunk at a time. It says, I charge you in the presence of God. So here's, here's Paul charging Timothy in God's presence. It's not just Paul being like, I think you should do this. It'd be really good for you, right? This is God is saying this. The God of the universe who created everything that exists, who knows you, he knows your future. He's designed it. He's the one saying, listen to this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom. So he's like, I'm not just saying this on my own. Jesus Christ, the one who literally has saved your soul, right? He's going to judge the living and the dead, wants you to do this. That's a big deal. This isn't just anybody calling you to do this thing. This is just your pastor or your youth pastor saying, hey, be a good person. This is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, this is what I want you to do. I hope you're listening. He says, preach the word. That's the first thing, the first phrase. Preach the word. 
He wants you to go out and tell people the thing that you've realized, that Jesus has died for your sin. And if you trust him, that you'll be forgiven and be able to go to heaven with him. He'll forgive that sin. But listen, a lot of us don't go any further than like, hey, I'm saved now, I'm cool. Like, I'm going to heaven, so I'm just going to go live and do my thing. He's like, no, don't stop there. I want you to take that what you just learned and this whole Bible I've given you of truth and tell people about it. Teach them what it says in here. You go to Sunday school every week. What are you doing with those Sunday school lessons? Some of you are like, I don't even listen. I know because some of you are in my Sunday school class. I know. You don't even listen, right? But some of you guys listen. What are you doing with that? Are you taking it? Are you bringing it to other people? Or are you just like kind of storing it away? Sweet, that was cool. Get that one and move on. Or is it changing your life? You hear these unbelievable truths that should change your life. Are they changing your life? Are you doing something with it? That week in, week out, Sunday school, and Wednesday night, in church on Sunday, like all these times that you're spending in God's word. Is it worth it? Are you wasting it? Are you leaving this place and applying it and be like, God, I want to do what your Bible says. And then you preach that word to other people with your actions and with your mouth. You bring it to your family and your friends and people and your teams, and you're like, listen, this is what God's word says, and it's good for you just as it's good for me. He wants you to preach, whether you're a preacher or not, whether you're a pastor or not, you're called to teach people God's word. Timothy was a preacher, and so he was specifically called in this passage to do this. And he says this, he says, be ready in season and out. How many of you guys are ready tonight? If someone walked in the room, I just marked some people in here tonight that I know that are my friends that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. And I know that I bring them in here and line them up and say, all right, guys, I need you to help me tell these people how they can be saved. Could you do it? Are you ready tonight to be like, hey, listen, I'm ready in season or out of season. Like I'm ready at any time to tell you how you can know Jesus Christ and be forgiven and be saved. What's your excuse for not knowing it? Are you too busy focused on your own stuff? Are you too busy chasing things that are like jumping out of the fishbowl? Are you ignoring the truths that are being told to you a couple times a week from stages like this, from guys like me who want so desperately for you to know Jesus? you're too caught up with garbage and you're too busy to listen or are you ready in season and out to say like I'm ready to tell people who Jesus is I'm not just ready like I'm on fire to do it there's a passion in me like there's a burning in me for people to know this because I know how important it is and that's what Paul tells Timothy be ready in season and out to do this not just when you're like feeling real good, but even on your bad days, even on the days where it's like a struggle, he's like, be a man, step up and like, be ready. I know you're having a crappy day, but it doesn't matter. This is someone's eternal soul. Will you have that conversation even though you don't feel good right now? Even though you're just discouraged right now or focused on something else, will you turn your eyes and say, listen, this guy needs to know Jesus. Bring it. Bring it. Be ready in season and out, and he says to reprove. That word reprove, he uses three words here, ready? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And you're like, what do any of those things mean? Let me tell you. Reprove is like to give someone correction. That's not like the jerk who comes up and he's like, man, I saw what you did last week. 
you're going to hell, man. You're going to burn. Like, that's not it at all. And we tend to do that, but that's not what he's saying to do here. You probably know people like that. Maybe you are that person. That's not correction. Correction is done in love, and he's about to say that in a minute. But we're able to actually call each other out. Because most of us are probably the opposite of that. We're the ones who just let people do whatever they want. Right in front of you. Your friends are just like jumping out of the fishbowl. You're literally watching them destroy their lives. And we can laugh, ha ha, it's not funny. If you have a heart and actually love your friend and you call them friend and let them do that, you're a terrible friend. You should actually care about them enough to correct them. I know it's hard. It's uncomfortable, it's awkward, it's difficult, and they might be mad at you. Granted, that might happen. But if you love them and you love Jesus, you'll walk up to them and say, man, I noticed you're doing this and you're struggling. And this is going to wreck you. I love you enough to tell you. Be mad if you have to be mad, but I've got to tell you this because I actually care. Are you that guy in your group of friends? Do you have the courage to stand up and do that? For those friends in your group who need it? Or do you just let them do whatever they want because it's easier? Or maybe even join them because it's fun. So reprove, that's, that's a tricky one, right? It's hard. And then this next word, rebuke, means to like give accountability. Like you're not just correcting them, but like you're actually calling them out. There, there's this like truth telling that you're doing here when you're rebuking them. Like they need a stern like call out. Like, bro, you're going off the cliff. Stop, turn around, repent. Like you need Jesus. You don't need this thing. It's destructive to you. Do you do that? Do you, do you have the courage to follow Jesus and say yes in those moments? And the last one is exhort. And exhort is like this call to them and to be corrected. Like this, this encouragement in a way that's like stern to say like, come on, here's the right path. Here it is over here. Let's go this way. It's not just like yelling at him. You do everything wrong. It's like, here, here's the right way. And that's really hard to do if you're not walking the right way. That's why you need to be ready in season and out. Because if we're not ready in season and out, we're going to be walking down the wrong path and inviting people, hey, it's this way. Wait, wait. It's actually not. I'm actually messing up right now. Don't follow me. How's that going to go for you? Who's ever going to want to follow that? And if they do, oh. We all end up down the wrong. Walk with Jesus. Invite other people to walk that path after Jesus with you. It's simple. But have the courage to actually stand up and do these things Paul's saying to do. And then he says this. Here's how you're supposed to do it. With complete patience and teaching. Why do we teach? So people will grow, right? We want people to be better, to learn, to grow from it. So your point isn't just to beat people down and make them feel like bad Christians. So I've, I talk to a lot of people that come into church or into even our church here and say, I've been to a lot of churches, and every time I walk into a church, they just make me feel like I'm trash. I walk in and they judge me for the way I dress or the things I've done. They look at my life, and I'm just constantly treated like garbage. But luckily, when I walk into this place, I feel loved which is awesome about our church. I love that about this place because this is what it's about. It's about calling people out, being like, I'm not going to just let you jump out of the fishbowl into sin and ruin your life. I'm going to say something, but I'm going to do it to teach you. 
He says, with patience, knowing that you're going to mess up, but I'm going to stay on that walk with you. I'm going to keep inviting you down the right path toward Jesus in that word that I'm preaching to you, right? Because I'm ready in season and out. Are you a man of God? Are you a dude who says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to hear what Paul has to say to Timothy. and I want to accept that same challenge. I want to make a difference in my friend groups. I want to be the difference in my house with my family and at my school and on my sports teams. I don't just want to be like everybody else. Charging down that same wrong path, jumping out of the fishbowl like I am ready to make a difference, a real life-changing difference to the people I love and these people around me. That's what a man of God does. That's what Jesus has called you to do, not just follow the crowd. I know it's easier. I've been there. I get it. I'm often tempted to just be like, it's just easier to not do it. But Jesus didn't call us to easy. He called us to follow him. You're a man of God. You follow Jesus. And then he says this. Look at the next part. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, right? They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. He's saying that there's going to be a day, and I think we're there now. Like, this is it. We're here. We're in that day where people don't want to like listen to what God says in his word, you know what they want to do? They want to change it and get pastors and teachers who will come onto stages like this and tell you that all of these things the Bible says is like, eh, you don't really have to listen to it all. Just some of it. And these sins over here, they're actually okay. Like we don't call those sin anymore. Like abortion's fine. Don't worry about that. It's not really killing a baby. Like, and they want to twist that and say, or, or, or homosexuality and like, transgenderish all these things like that's you know it's fine and like it's totally cool and they get people to come on stages and say that because it's what they want to hear themselves they don't want to hear the truth they don't want to hear that god values life and that abortion is wrong even though it might put you in an inconvenient situation they don't want to hear that you can't choose who you can love because god has actually designed you a certain way in a specific way, and that marriage between a man and a woman is God's good design? They don't want to hear that. And so now when we walk into churches all over this world, we're hearing people that are getting on stages and lying from God's word because people want them there. They don't want the truth. I am not going to get on a stage like this and not tell you the truth. I'd rather lose my job and walk away. Are you men who will do the same? Are you men who will read God's word and say, God said it, I believe it, and that's what I'll preach? You don't have to be a preacher to do it. You just have to be a man of God. Are you committed to the truth? Paul says this is a day. People don't care about it anymore. They don't want to hear it. And he says this next. He says, as for you, talking to Timothy and us, right? Always be sober-minded. Like, have a sharp mind. Be focused on Jesus. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Did you hear the phrase, endure suffering? Paul looked at Timothy and said, get ready to suffer, bro. (laughs) Be okay with suffering. 
How many of you guys tonight would be like, listen, like, I'm totally cool if I had to suffer for Jesus. I'd be totally fine with it. Don't actually raise your hand. Most of us would be like, what? <laughs> I don't think I signed up for that. I signed up for this thing where I got to go to heaven and, like, live in, in like, paradise. That's what I signed up for, not this, like, suffering part. When, when was that in the deal? And Paul's like, listen, if you actually care most about heaven, the rest of this doesn't matter that much. You're looking forward to the real prize that's to come. And so suffering can come because you know what you're preaching? The truth, no matter what it costs. Even if we have to suffer for it. That's what Paul's saying. You might have to lose some friends over it. You might have to get kicked out of a sport over it. Fail a class. Who knows? It might cost you something. But a man of God will say, no matter what it costs or what I have to suffer, I'm going to preach the truth. I hope you guys could say that same thing. When's the last time you've suffered for Jesus? Not just like, hey, the AC went out in my house and I was suffering. <laughs> or like, my mom made this terrible like chicken dinner the other night. It was burned. I suffered. Like, I'm not talking about that. Suffered for Jesus. When's the last time you made a sacrifice because you believed Jesus and you said, I'm following him no matter what. I'm making the right choice, even though it's going to cost me. Have you ever done that? Has there even been one time in your life where you've said, Jesus, I choose you, even though it'll cost me? I challenge you when that moment comes that you'd be ready if you haven't already. Choose Jesus. He's worth it. When's the last time you told someone how to be saved? He tells them to be an evangelist here, right? Do your ministry. Be an evangelist. Do you talk to people about your faith in Jesus or do you hide it? Do you not want people to know that you follow Christ, that you go to church, like that you believe the Bible? Or are you a person that's like, hey, listen, I want people to know that Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm not hiding it. I'm going to let people know that. And when I see people hurting, I'm going to go up to them and say, listen, there's a solution. His name's Jesus. I'd love to tell you about him. You're like, I don't have a lot of answers or much to tell them. That's fine. All you have to do is open your Bible. All you have to do is share what he's already done in your life. But preach Jesus. And he finishes with this. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. Paul's like, I'm about to die, dude. I'm, I've already been, like, had thrones, uh, stones thrown at me. I've been shipwrecked. I've been whipped. I've been imprisoned. Like, they've done all sorts of things to me. I've been a martyr. I'm about to die. My time's up. And he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. How awesome that the dude could live a life that started off like killing Christians, literally against Jesus. And Jesus comes down and changes the dude's whole life to where now this dude has done everything, including giving his own life because he believes in Jesus. I wonder how many of us would say like, I want to finish my life, get to the end and be able to look back and say, I was a man of God. Like, I love Jesus more than anything, and he was, number one, the most important thing in my life, and I lived that way. 
you guys get to do that, you know? You're young. You're starting now. Imagine an entire life to be able to say, I was faithful. I lived for Christ. And you get to look back over an entire legacy of your life and go, Jesus had me the whole time. And I had ups and downs. But I stayed the course. I fought the good fight. I ended well. And you get to step into heaven with that reward. That's what he says last. He says, henceforth, big word, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, here's where he goes from just talking to a preacher to saying, this applies to all of us. God has this award, this crown, like you get to walk into heaven and look at the God of creation and go, I lived for you. (laughs) I finished well. I fought the good fight and I even had to suffer Jesus, but it was worth it because I'm standing here now with you. That's my prayer over you guys all the time. I'm constantly praying that God will make you men of God. Men who say, I love the truth. I'm standing on the truth. And no matter what, I'm following Jesus. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I know that some of you guys tonight, like, could care less about any of this religious stuff. I get it, and that's fine. But I do believe there are some here tonight. Maybe tonight the Holy Spirit's been knocking on your heart saying, like, I want you to have a relationship with the God of all creation. I want you to know this guy, Jesus, we keep talking about. This guy that I'm willing to give my life for. Like, I want you to know him. And maybe tonight he's knocking under your heart saying, know me. Maybe tonight would be the night that you, you say yes. You say, Rob, tonight, like, I want to know who Jesus is. I want to give him my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to know that if I died tonight and went straight up to the gates of heaven, he would let me in because he would know me. He'd know my name. He'd say, I died for you. Maybe that's you tonight. Never done that before. You never prayed and given your heart over to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you tonight, but if if that is you, would you just, just slip your hand up in the air? You don't have to go nowhere, make any noise, but just say, that's me. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to be saved and have my sin forgiven. Yeah, bro, I see you in the back. Anybody else? Tonight's the night you want Jesus to be your Savior. Slip your hand up in the air so I can see it. If you just raise your hand, this is what I want you to do. Just in your heart, will you pray this prayer? Will you just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost without you. And I'm asking you tonight to forgive me. To save me. I believe that only Jesus can do that. And tonight I want him to be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer right now, I want you to know. If you meant it in your heart and you just proclaimed that prayer through prayer to Jesus, he has saved you and forgiven you. I'd love to talk to you about it more after this service. Come find me and let's talk about that. But I want to pray and just celebrate what was just done. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Just have a moment, God, to be guys together, to be in the room and talk about real stuff. 
And most importantly, that you're here with us. God, that your presence is right here. And so, Father, I just ask you, whatever we're going through, whether we're stumbling all over the place, jumping out of the fishbowl tonight, and I'm sure some of us are, that you'd pull us back in. You put us back on track. You'd fill our heart with a passion to love you and to follow you and to get around dudes who love you to encourage us. Dude, God, would you please make these guys men that follow you, that say, I love Jesus Christ, and that's it. God, we give you the glory tonight, and I pray as we sing this last song that you would hear us worship you because you're worth it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.